Often, the biggest champions of an area are the ones who grew up there. It is not typically the case that someone who has lived all over the world makes a career out of trying to boost the success of a small city and change the way it is viewed by people on the outside looking in. Laura Thorne is a champion of all. As I learned more about her story, she has made a life based around helping others. Most recently, Laura teamed up with Aldea Gerard to create the pilot episode of Off the Wall and Up Close, an arts, culture, and travel show. The show is starting here in Syracuse, but has plans to highlight the scenes on cities just like Syracuse across the country. I had no idea what a massive undertaking it is to create a new TV show. After many rounds of fundraising, they created an initial episode and presented it at the Seattle Film Festival this past fall. Laura and Aldea teamed up with Willow Rock Brewing in the fall of 2022, and that is how we met. Laura is an inspiration with her drive and determination to help others and lift the people around her up. She describes herself as a doer, and that is 100% what she is. Not only is she a doer, but she is a creator and a finisher. We have a lot of people with ideas, a lot of people who can take those ideas and run with them, and we finally have a lot of people who can bring the idea and the process to a conclusion. Rarely, however, do we have people that embody all those traits. Make sure to visit their YouTube page, Off the Wall and Up Close, and follow along with the work they are doing. I hope you enjoy hearing her story as much as I did. So today I'm here with Laura Thorne. Laura and I met, I guess, sort of through social media and in very different directions doing joint collaborations with Willow Rock Brewing here in Syracuse, New York. Um, Kevin and Rockney are huge supporters of all things local, Syracuse, and, you know, extend their generosity far beyond the confines of the brewery itself. But um, I've recently done some roasting with the um, chocolate business in one of their recent beers and Laura saw a post and they were doing a fundraiser for a beer that uh, Kevin and Rockney had brewed uh, to help support some film work that they're doing and so we started chatting and I was like oh man this would be a really cool conversation so uh, Laura welcome. Hi Tyler thank you for having me and yeah can't say enough about Kevin and Rockney and their generosity. Yeah yeah they're really great so maybe um Let's just start there. So so tell me a little bit about the project that you're working on and what led you to Willow Rock and 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 all of that. Yeah, so we can kind of start at Willow Rock and work backwards. So we're um putting together a fundraiser. We've already we had already raised like 17,000 of our $20,000 goal to create a pilot for an arts and culture TV show. And we were trying to come up with creative ways to partner with local businesses and Willow Rock is pretty much in my neighborhood. So we went down there and asked them about, you know, can we do a fundraiser here? It was actually Kevin's idea to actually create us a special brew just for us. So it was like limited edition off the wall and up close beer, which was really awesome. And that actually got released on my birthday last year or this year. Uh, So that was very special. And so what they're doing is donating a dollar from each pint that's sold and 
was 25 cents per can when they still had those in stock. So when that sells out, then they'll make the donation to the show, which is helping us pay for everything that we needed to do to make the pilot. Which, stepping backward, just won an award in Seattle for, yeah, I for saw Best that. Pilot. So. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so, um, yeah, let, let's jump to that for a quick second, then we'll go back to the beer. Uh, so what was the award show that was going on in Seattle? So we submitted the pilot. We recorded the pilot in August in 2021, and then we submitted it to probably like 40 different film festivals, and a couple of we are online. A lot of them are online, you know, post-COVID and we've won a couple of things here and there, um, but this one was actually an in-person event. So it was in the category for best TV web series. Oh, wow. Yeah. So in the category of drama, because it doesn't really fit anywhere else. Okay. But um, yeah, so we flew out there for it and went to the award show and in the morning we're like, do we have to talk for this thing? Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> and we did. So it was very cool. Oh, wow. Uh, when they said our name, we were like... Did we just hear what we thought we heard? <laughs> oh, man, that's amazing. Now, uh, we kind of jumped the gun a little bit, I guess. So dis- explain what, what the web series, the, the pilot, explain what is happening yeah. and, and what, what you guys have been working on. Right. So Off the Wall and Up Close is an arts and culture-based travel show that we are looking to feature and highlight up-and-coming cities. Syracuse is a, a once-been city that is trying to be again. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it gets notoriety to almost no end for basketball and sports, but there's so much yeah. art and creativity and, you know, things that really help cities thrive as far as where people look for places to live and move to, like Portland and Austin. You know, they were once cities no one heard of or wanted to move to and now you know and people go there because of the arts and culture and the creativity um so we're trying to highlight cities like that that might be as people move away from wildfires in california or sea level rise in florida or just craziness in florida that they look for where else can i go so instead of featuring cities that we all know about boston dallas whatever we're trying to feature those cities that have really cool scenes that are really underrepresented yeah, I know. I went to college in Providence at Providence College, and while I was there, they were I don't I don't really want to say in the beginning stages of kind of a renaissance, but they were coming out of um a pretty beat down period and when I go back and visit the city now and and see the arts and the craftsmen and just how much that little uh spark that was just starting while I was there has really transform the whole city it's it's remarkable what those that that group of people can do for yeah for a city i mean not only for the economy of of bringing people in but i think more importantly for the kind of general um happiness and overall you know uh i'll use the word brightness in people's personalities which you know for most of the year we could really use here so. right yeah arts is healing yeah, so for sure it's it's healing and it's uplifting and you know it it gives people anyone things to do that are productive no matter the weather yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and things that they can really do to heal their soul and we need a lot of that right now yeah so what what was it that sort of led you down this path because this isn't really I mean, you said you've been a photographer, but I mean, tackling, uh, producing a- any level of the TV or web show. I mean, even to create like you, you on your the off off the wall and up close YouTube channel. I mean, even just to do a YouTube video 
is a lot of time and effort. So what what prompted you to kind of uh, see this cause as a necessary one that, that needed, um, you know, starting with YouTube and now on to, you know, assuming starting in Syracuse and then traveling on to other cities? Right. Yeah, we kind of, the the being in the video and media space is kind of a natural progression from the photography. However, creating a TV show is kind of bizarre. So what actually happened was that Aldea Gerard, who I met through the public arts task force that used to meet prior to COVID, and um, her and I both had sort of a mission or passion for helping other artists succeed in business. So mm-hmm. I have also a business background. And... So we kind of clicked in that way. And when I first moved to Syracuse, so I'm from Tampa, I moved here almost, this is my sixth winter. <laughs> Measured in winters. <laughs> winters. Uh, I've gotten quite acclimated. Um, you'll notice I didn't wear a jacket coming in here. Um, but we met through that and I asked her to help me with this uh, Facebook group that I had started when I first moved here called Syracuse Artists Raising the Bar. So there's over 350 something artists in there in there now. But when I first moved here, I created that group just as a way to network and meet people myself so that I could go try places. So one of the first places I actually went was Willow Rock. We had a networking event. Oh, wow. Um, probably about 10 artists came, but a lot of them had not met each other before. One had just started painting. Actually, she's the star of our pilot. She had just started painting a couple years before and was killing it, doing all the things that you should do to sell your art. Mm-hmm. And um, besides just making gorgeous art. Mm-hmm. And so I had been moderating that moderating that group for a while, but I had not really gotten to be very active in it. So I asked Aldea to participate in that with me. So we kind of started our relationship there. And then she started a podcast under, she was working at Cafe Kubal at the time, and they had a recording studio in their new headquarters. Okay. And she started a podcast that was specifically for artists for the same thing, talking about how to succeed in business, why do you live in Syracuse, all that stuff. So the two of us coming together kind of created this momentum towards this topic in this show. But what actually happened was WCNY put out a request for letters of uh, ideas, interests, something mm-hmm. uh, for an arts-based TV show. And I sent her an email and said, hey, do you want to do this? And her reply was, yes. <laughs> oh, wow. And that was where the idea was born. And so it's been our passion ever since. Uh, WCNY did not... Um, further the interest on that. So I don't know where that went, but her and I just decided, Hey, let's just keep going with it regardless of what happens with that funding source or anything. And so here we are. So this is something that comes up a lot of times with the people that I talk to just because, you know, I try to focus on people that are chasing their dreams and all that. A lot of people, and I'm, I'm more than, I think probably the chocolate thing is the chocolate business is probably the one time in my life this hasn't happened, but a lot of times with ideas as we're starting to formulate them, uh, we there's a lot of momentum to begin with and there's a lot of excitement. And then it starts to burn off a little bit after time. Or you reach a point where if you're not an, you know, a prior expert in it, you don't really know what to do. So what was it that fueled what, – what was the drive that kept you all going with this to, re- to really figure out how to, one, find fundraising, which – in my eyes, potentially might've been the easiest part of the whole thing. I mean, maybe not easy to get the money, but that's easier to do than trying to figure out how to put this whole thing together. So what, what was it for you two that kept it all going? I think there's a a couple of things. Um, This is not my first foray into trying something that people are like, what are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) I don't understand what you're doing. Um, 
But I think first is just the mindset that you can do it and that you don't need other people's permission. You know, we could any point, and I, and I would say I've been waiting this whole time for someone mm. to say, you can't do this. Mm. Who do you think you are? Why are you trying to do this? Yeah. Um, but I have actually gotten mostly support, you know, yeah. mostly people who are excited about it, interested in it, like the topic of it. Um, but the other thing is that we never pretended that we know what we're doing or anything. Mm. We immediately sought out, you know, seeking mentors and other people who could help guide us and partner with us. Yeah. And so we worked with Visit Syracuse and um, CNY Film. And Eric Vinyl has been very helpful, especially in the beginning with connecting us with resources and, you know, saying this is really what I think you should do next or whatever, um, helping us find the film company that that actually uh, Stephen Long and Upside Down, Upstate Down did an amazing job mm-hmm. with our pilot. I mean, this was the first time that either one of us had been on a camera 6.30 in the morning till 6.30 at night. Yeah. And uh, I'm usually the person behind the camera, so it was a real different experience for me. And it was fun, and Stephen really helped keep the energy up. His whole crew was amazing. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, part of it, if we had not gotten through that day or if, you know, we didn't enjoyed it, you know, it could have ended there at any point. If we'd gotten to a point, we always ask actually, um, in my few different adventures that I do, we always, as a team ask, are we still having fun uh, all the time? Always a good reminder. <laughs> yeah. And that's our indicator. If we're not having fun yeah. anymore, it's either not something we should be doing or we're doing it wrong. Sure. Right. So, um, so that's a key point for us. And then I think just doing it with the right people. Mm. You know, yeah. I, I'll, I'm, I'm a doer and it's hard to find people who, as my friend Lisa says, will run with me and Aldea, I don't have to tell her twice. I don't have to check in and see mm-hmm. if she's doing, you know, her part. We are both running together and it's, it's a lot of fun when it works like that. Yeah. It's like a group project in high school, but you have a good partner, not a bad part. Right. Right. So, now what's it like shooting? I mean, what, what's involved with shooting a pilot for a new, you know, TV show? Like how, how does that all come together? Yeah. So there's no rules. Okay. Make, there's, you know, I don't know if everyone knows, but there are movies that you've seen in the theaters that have been shot on phones, cell phones, you know, hmm. there's also this, um, myth and some pretension around like you need all this equipment and you've got to have mm. you know you can't do this without X, yeah that's what i envision like railroad right. tracks and cameras <laughs> and lights and moving down the street yeah. and back you know at some point and depending on what you're doing you probably do need that stuff um but you need people who who know what you're trying to produce mm-hmm. you need people who can produce quality stuff with what they have mm-hmm. um but we you know we worked with like i said Stephen long and upstate down and he brought a great crew um, he also knew that this was a, an entry point and an opportunity for further opportunities mm-hmm. when we kick this thing down the, down the street a little bit more mm-hmm. and actually get picked up. I mean, our goal is to get this on Netflix or Hulu or something big. Oh, wow. You know, it's not That's a local so show cool. for yeah. local people. Like people in Syracuse already know what's here or they already have their opinion about what they mm-hmm. like or don't like about Syracuse. This is for my friends back in Tampa who are like, why should I move to Syracuse? And I have to, you know, convince them. Right. Right. <laughs> or, you know, their rent is going so high that they're like, I need to move out of this place. Or politics is just insane. So they're like, I need to go somewhere else. Yeah. Um, what are my options? But they don't want to move to another expensive place. They want to go someplace affordable and fun and a good place for their families. Sure. Also, just people that are looking to change location um, could watch some of this stuff. And Because really, all, all people have that want to move around the country is 
you know, typically blog articles or, um, you know, top 10 lists or something like that. So there isn't really a whole lot of in-depth stuff. So that's super, super cool. And I think, I I mean, it could just be my experience because you're obviously uh, an exception to what I'm going to say. But I think a lot of times in America, we don't, we, we don't move a whole lot. Like at least we might change houses, you know, in a city, but we don't take the time. And I, I, I think in a lot of the other parts of the world, people do move around. You know, you hear of people that are in, in all the different European countries, you know, they might grow up in Sweden, but they end up in Italy or, you know, Spain. They're, they're, they're all Australia. They're yeah. all over the place. And that's something that I've always found interesting that as Americans, we do a lot less of that. Um, so I think, I think this is really, really cool. Yeah. Uh, so have you enjoyed the whole experience of it? I mean, I assume you have, or else you probably wouldn't do it, but yeah, I mean, it's been, like I said, we're always keeping a gauge on, is this a fun thing for us to do? And I really find that anytime that I'm creating something, that's my zone. You know, yeah. I, when I have to do work for work's sake or do work that someone else has told me to do, um, I don't find as much joy in it, but I'm creating things. And actually my Myers-Briggs, I'm an architect. (laughs) So (laughs) um, I like to build things and create things. So this is right in my, my lane. Yeah. Now you mentioned earlier that you were from Tampa originally. So Mm -hmm. a Floridian born. Well, I'm actually a Midwesterner raised in Florida now moved to the Northeast. <laughs> okay. But you also spent time. So, uh, you also moved to Ireland for a period of time. I did. Correct? So when I was, when I graduated from high school and it was time to move on to college, the only thing that I did was arts and photography. And so that's what I did. I went to my junior college. I took photography before it was an actual degree. Hmm. And then I didn't know what to do after that. I didn't have any direction or map or, mm-hmm. you know, what kind of career did I want? I, all I thought was, well, I don't like journalism. I don't like politics, so I can't do that in photography. I couldn't see myself as a national geographic wildlife mm-hmm. photographer. I didn't see that path. So I took a bunch of jobs and I had probably 20 jobs. I would work a job for the most a year. And then I worked oh, at Blockbuster wow. Music for a year and they gave me a nickel raise and I walked out the door. Oh, geez. Yeah, that's not going <laughs> to get you very far. <laughs> um, so at least I knew my worth. Even back then, you yeah, know, I was good. like, I'm yeah. worth more than a nickel an hour. See ya. Um, and I end up finally getting a job at a real company where, but I was an assistant to an assistant. And so I made like, I don't know, minimum wage doing work for the assistant at this global company that sold CD-ROM, uh, Microsoft training on CD-ROM. Oh, geez. Wow. <laughs> so that's how long ago it was. Yeah. Some people may not even know what a CD-ROM right. is. <laughs> uh, the internet had not fully been born yet. Okay. And... Um, so this was 2000 and this company was parent company was in Ireland. Okay. So basically I was in the office of the programmer. There's a whole lot of different things that went on that I ended up working both for the marketing department and MIS. I won't get into, but the assistant I was working for left. I took her job and did it in about 10 minutes. And then I started learning how to program from the programmer Oh wow! because I was in her office. And so I actually... This was, again, Mm pre-internet, pre-CRMs. There was no data warehouse for your customers. Everything was in that point in a a spreadsheet. Yeah, okay. (laughs) And so I took their, you know, thousands. They were were at that point uh, ready to break the, I think it was a million records you could have in Microsoft Access or something. It might not even been, it might have been 100,000. I don't know. It wasn't 
I can't remember what the limit was. Um, so it basically needed to be migrated to SQL. So I learned all of that in yeah. forums before internet, no oh, YouTube wow. Academy. Yeah. <laughs> I figured this all out. Um, didn't know what I was doing for them again, creating, solving a problem. And then they made the mistake of taking me to Ireland for five days, Monday to Friday to implement the same. I basically built them a CRM, mm-hmm. uh, implement the same program for them in their European office. Mm-hmm. So us did all their USS us sales, the Ireland office did all of their European sales. So as you can imagine, the database behind the scenes, there was a little bit different if you're entering a U.S. address. I mean, this happens in Amazon now versus, you know, something in Bulgaria. Totally. So I ended up having to be on the phone with them a lot when I um, came back and and help them fix things. Mm -hmm. But while I was there, I made friends with the sales team. So I actually stayed a weekend longer than my boss. <laughs> oh. And so when I came back from that weekend, I basically gave them an ultimatum because I was not having fun working in the U.S. office. It was okay. owned by Scientologist. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I came back and I said, well, I want to move to Ireland. And they said, nope. And I said, okay, I quit. And two days later, they said, well, you can go if you can find your own place to live. And I was like, done. Yeah. Oh, wow. So how long were you in Ireland for? Um, I was there for almost a year. So like I said, I went in 2000. In 2001, the internet was born officially and the the economy Right, tanked. yeah. So right. the the whole... The bubble burst. The bubble burst in the entire technology industry had a knee-jerk reaction and they closed that office in Ireland and my only choice was to come back. So they gave everybody else in Ireland the option to work in the parent company somewhere else there, but I didn't have that option. So oh. I came back to school and went back to school for biology. We'll get there in a second. How <laughs> did you like being in Ireland? I loved it. Yeah. What Did you get to travel at all? What were some of your favorite I'm just parts? having this epiphany right now. I never had so much crack in my life. And, you know, crack is their word for fun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so that may be a reason why that still sticks with me. Yeah. But... They, their whole culture and the way that they approach life is just different. You know, they're, they, I I guess, you know, they're not too far removed from the potato famine and Mm -hmm. a lot more poverty and stuff than, than we are. And they seem to understand that life is short. And so a little bit more higher value on living your life Mm. opposed to work. Mm -hmm. Um, I will admit I went to work drunk several times in the morning. That's part of the culture. And I've heard from people recently, that's still part wow, of the culture. Yeah. So kind of just oh, overlooked. Right. I can't even imagine working drunk or hungover. I mean, wouldn't be drinking in the morning, but it's just left over from, you know, being right. out late at night. I mean, again, I was like 20 years old, so yeah, not something I would even you can consider doing now. can recover a lot now, easier, but, true, true. Um, but yeah, they would have a funeral and they would meet at a pub, family, mm-hmm. kids, everybody go to the funeral together, go to a, a pub afterwards, mm-hmm. you know, it was, and I lived with, I had three, um, male roommates, two Rory's and a Mick. Mick was a crazy guy from Wales. Oh, that's funny. Uh, we'd play video games together and go to our local and yeah, it was a great time. Oh, that's really cool. And you talk about it with a big smile. So it was yeah. obviously a great time in your life. And then one of the things that I think, uh, and this is just sort of my, um, love for the environment that I think it's a total pivot from building, you know, early age CRMs. But um, yeah, you became a marine biologist. Is that, would that be correct? Um, just biologist. Okay. I did work in a marine setting a little bit, but um, I didn't go for marine specifically. So okay. while I was living in Ireland, moving there from Florida, I thought it was cold. So literally my decision to go back to college and what I should do was I want to work outdoors. So, <laughs> yeah. and so I got a degree in biology and I kind of figured that out as I went along. I took a, a class in wetlands and actually absolutely loved it. 
Yeah, like actually so got cool. to go out into wetlands. And of yeah. course, wetlands in Florida has alligators and birds and right. just so much wildlife. Um, so that opened up a whole new world to me too, which was awesome. Great experience. How many years did you do that for? I did that for 10 years. Wow. So that's the longest so far that I've done anything consistently. <laughs> yeah, that must have been so cool. Like just being outdoors and, and I don't know, just being a part of that. It was. Um, I loved my job on paper, or actually, in reality, I had probably one of the coolest jobs you could even get yeah. as an environmental scientist. But I worked for five people who, once I got to a certain level, didn't want me in their sandbox. So right. I, I had no choice. I'm pretty sure I would have gotten fired before if I hadn't left. But, I mean, as far as the job goes, I was the artificial reef coordinator for Tampa Bay. I was a resident seagrass uh, expert. I had started a GIS program for interns. So two students every semester and half it was 50% success rate would get hired into the, into the organization. Yeah. Um, I had gone to a nonprofit for Florida called Sterling and Florida Sterling does Malcolm Baldridge evaluations for organizations, which is basically um, an excellence review and teaches organizations how to be the best that they can be which is where i learned business too Mm -hmm. wow that's wild that's wild. it just seems like i mean anytime i go to we were we were just in um saint simon's island back in october and they have a um sea turtle like uh rehab facility there and anytime you go to those places you just the people that the passion and whether it's animals or wetlands or forests it's just always so I always just love anybody and even when we've traveled to Europe like just hearing people that are so passionate and the way that they talk about it and the and the level of knowledge that they have on these yeah. things is it just it's hard to not even if you don't care about trees or wetlands it's hard to not just be like wow that's incredible. Yeah, and to that point I have to plug I still do cuz I still love uh, being an environmental professional, I, I'm remiss that I kind of jumped out of that field. But mm. at the same time, in the, during those 10 years, climate change became real. Sustainability became an actual yeah. thing you could go to college for. Mm-hmm. Um, I graduated in 2005. The sustainability program in at USF didn't start until 2009. Mm-hmm. So by the time, in those 10 years, by the time I left, I already felt sort of outdated and I didn't kind of want to start over. Mm-hmm. And I had been mentoring people who were looking for jobs in environmental fields. And I just decided to create a career coaching program for those people instead, because then I could help people not make the same mistakes that I did, which was taking the first job I was offered, not really considering Mm -hmm. what I wanted, um, not really noticing the the signs of the glass ceiling approaching my head. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And I really enjoy still doing that and helping. So I still do that part-time. Okay. I'm um, helping people connect to environmental careers because I have so many connections. Yep. And part of that, I do a podcast. I'm co-host with Nick Frederick, who works for Dawson. Um, we run a weekly podcast called Environmental Professionals Radio. Oh, wow. Where we talk to people, just like you said, about their work and their passions and the things they do for fun. And I am every week in awe of the people I talk to and just in love with the careers that they have. Yeah, that's so cool. And for other people to have the exposure to that, that's so, that's really, really neat. Yeah, it's very cool. And, you know, it helps me still feel connected and like, you know, cause you can go through, you probably know this, you know, once you get up in your forties and stuff, you start to like 
feel like you've lived a couple, at least for me anyway, with the different paths I've been on. I feel like some of it feels like, was that even real? (laughs) Right. So it helps me stay connected and plugged into that. Yeah, I think part of the part, again, another part of the reason why I started doing the podcast was because I I just felt like I I was missing out on a lot of the stuff that um, my mind just wasn't open to. And hearing people's stories and all the different things that, you know, people like yourself that, um, you know, starting as assistant, move to Ireland, lose that job, just say, okay, I'm going to come back and go back to college and I'm going to become a biologist and then I'm going to do that for 10 years and then I'm going to set up a side business coaching future biologists into, you know, and it, I think it's just incredible. And I think, you know, to your, your point about the sustainability, you know, I think in, in everything we do, it's so massively important. You know, there's some things that we can, we can change easily. And there's other things that will change down the road that aren't as easy. Uh, You know, and I didn't, I didn't even realize that that was even like a course at, colleges which is incredible yeah the number of them is growing all the time because just to give people the you know i mean just simple things like thinking about the way you're shipping or not you know getting things that can be refilled versus buying a new container every single time or composting or you know there's just so many different things that each of us can do we don't have to do i think what i've started to realize is we don't all have to do every single one of them. Right. You know, I think if if each, and I know we're going down kind of a, a an odd path here, but um, if everybody can do one or two things, you know, so that, you know, the one I always joke about is stop using straws or find paper straws or carry your own straws. Or, um, you know, I've started getting like the deodorant that I use. It just comes, I, it comes in a cardboard container the plastic is all compostable, so when I'm done with it, I just throw it in my compost pile. You know, there's just a lot of things that can be yeah. done now, and having a generation of people that are thinking about that or at least have some level of knowledge about it I think will be massively impactful. So um, so what brought you to Syracuse? Okay, Syracuse. I always say it was a boy or a job. It wasn't a job. <laughs> <laughs> so I met my boyfriend in Florida several years ago, and then – um, after I had resigned from my job, well, just, it's just coincidence in my timeline. I had resigned from my job and then him and I just reconnected on social media and had started chatting and he'd already moved here, um, after several moves from Florida and his father and great aunt and uncle live here. So, uh, he'd been here for a few years and after about a year of long distance dating, you know, the choice was, do I move there or do you move back to Florida? Mm-hmm. And you know, having resigned from my job and not really knowing what I was doing next. Um, and I, I like a change and move mm-hmm. unlike some people. Um, so the natural move was for me to come up here and check it out. Sure. You know, and I'm, it's interesting you say that because the, the change and move is definitely something that, uh, I wish came easier for me. Um, uh, but my wife, she could, if we could set up, she'd move every single year to someplace yeah. new just to see it and experience. And that energy, you know, it's certainly, it, it it is it is contagious, although it I have pretty thick skin, so it takes a while to, to dig in. But um, so, how have you? I mean, you've been in Syracuse now for a few a few years, almost six. Okay, yeah. and how have you? How have you 
found like a small city like Syracuse to be versus a place like Tampa or I assume in Ireland you were probably in a big city in Ireland? Yeah, so I lived in Dublin. Okay, right yeah. Next, so right next to the Guinness factory big actually for a while. Um, yeah, it's it's a big change, um, but a lot of it is a – so of course there's pros and cons of each, but I love Tampa as a place to visit. Um, there's too much traffic. There's too many bugs. And there's too many rednecks. <laughs> so uh-huh. <laughs> um, I don't miss any of those things. Yeah. Um, up here, I love that there's, I mean, a traffic jam up here is 10 cars, you know. And normally it's, it's a 10-car pileup if right? it is 10 cars. So. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, that's that's a rare thing that that even happens. So it just it feels a lot more relaxed. Mm-hmm. Um, it takes me 10, 20 minutes to get anywhere, whereas in Florida, if I need to go somewhere that's a 10 or 20-minute drive, it takes an hour or two. And so um, – that part of it is nice. But what I really found was that when I came here needing to sort of reset and start over is that I was much, I mean, this is an assumption because I didn't do this in Florida, but it was so easy to connect with people and meet people. Mm-hmm. And I actually, I talk about this a lot with the people that I career coach is that I have what some of my career coaches have coined the Syracuse method of networking, where I had a plan to meet someone for coffee every week. Of course, this was Mm pre-COVID. And within about six months, I had already saturated the market and was being introduced to people I'd already met. My list of people to meet with was too long for me to keep up with. And so within six months, I felt pretty comfortable here. And I was going anywhere I went, I was running into somebody that I had met before. And so that part of it is nice. It is a kind of a small space. And I felt like, um, I experienced this on a trip to Africa. So in, I visited a conservation North of Kenya called Lewa and in Lewa it's in the, um, most of the year it's very dry. Mm -hmm. And so you only see giraffes with giraffes and elephants with elephants. And you see the predators at night by themselves or, Mm -hmm. or in their space, unless they're actually out for something. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then we moved down to the Serengeti and you also see this in movies all the time. You move down to the Serengeti where, um, the resources are plentiful. There's water and lush green grass. You would see zebras and hyenas hanging out in the same 20 square foot radius. And so there's definitely an abundance versus a scarcity mindset in the areas. And I feel like if I had tried to start a business in Tampa, there'd be more of that scarcity mindset where there's not enough resources and things to go around. And I wouldn't have found people to be as helpful. Hmm. But when I moved here, I found much more of an abundance mindset where everyone's trying to do something. So people are trying to partner and I didn't have any trouble getting help or introduced to people Mm -hmm. and things like that. So I felt like, um, you know, I was a small fish in a small pond here. And then instead of a small fish in a big pond Mm -hmm. in Tampa. So I felt like this is a great place for anybody who wants to start something new or, you know, just take something somewhere. I don't know if you're experiencing that with the chocolate stuff. Um, but it, for me, it was a, it's been a great experience just being able to try things and do things and meet people. Yeah, that's a very interesting way of putting it. I've, I've never really – I mean, I don't have any experience really in bigger cities. Um, you know, I was I was born here. I left for college and came back, and I've been here ever since. So um, – but, I mean, it, I've always – you know, since my family's been here for generations, there's a fair number of people that we know and I know just from growing up. So – hearing your perspective and the way that you put it, I never, I just assumed I, I've always known everybody in this town is very helpful. And, and 
if you need something, people, and if they can't help, they say, oh, we'll try so-and-so or, um, so, but I've just never really thought about it that way. I just always assumed, you know, in bigger cities, there's, you've got more opportunity, but there, you know, there is that small town, um, that small town connection, which, um, yeah, that's, that's, I think here you get to be the only nostalgia chocolate. Mm -hmm. You get to be the only downtown ice cream place. You get to be the only this in Tampa. There are a hundred of everything. Sure. So there's a lot, you know, so if you think of it that way, it seems Mm -hmm. like, yes, there's more people, more resources, but at the same time, there's a lot more people vying for attention for things as well. So of course there's pros and cons. There's no perfect situation, but I like the way that it is up here and being able to go. It was weird at first. Like I'd go to Target and I'm like, how is this place open? <laughs> right. You know, you almost have to take a tram into a Target in in Tampa because yeah, you I park, mean, you know, four miles out. Yeah, but we, here it's we like. We didn't even have Target until 10 years ago, <laughs> right. probably, or 15 years ago. And all of a sudden they're everywhere. But um, yeah, we're so. Well, yeah, that, that's very interesting. So um, now just uh, back to, we'll kind of wrap up coming back to the. Um, show so where does that stand now what are the plan like where are you at what are the plans going forward um you know where uh how can people help find more information what are you what are you all looking for right now just give it all yeah awesome appreciate the opportunity to talk about it um so off the wall and up close we're currently creating mini episodes so a lot of industries are changing so i also own a publishing company and that has is a whole new world too. But the way that music publishing, any of this type of thing works now is you've got to come to the people with the money and the resources with your following with, mm-hmm. you know, some sort of backing that people like what you have. So we're working on mini episodes that we're doing on YouTube. So we never intended to be a YouTube show mm-hmm. or like I said, a local show, but we have to start building our audience and seeing what people like, you know, so we're building uh, mini episodes. We've got about five published Um, we've got two that were in the editing process now Mm -hmm. and they'll be published on YouTube soon. So that is just on off the wall and up close on YouTube. And, uh, so we need subscribers We're up to 40, which is not bad. Yep. I, I, I just, I, I (laughs) did that. I'm in there. (laughs) Yes. So we need, I mean, uh, if you can't donate money, go up there, just go to YouTube and subscribe. That would be very helpful. And, um, leave comments. Tell us what you think, what do you want to see next? You know, uh, there's also a spot on our website, which is Hey Alec Productions. And that's hey H E L H I can't spell and talk at the same time. H E Y A L E C Productions.com. Okay. Um, there's a link there. You can also fill out a survey and tell us what you like about Syracuse and what you would want to see and stuff. Um, but there's also a donation page. Um, we are still looking for funding. So we're we've like I said, bootstrapped the whole thing. All of our donations have come from friends and family. And um, and Cafe Cabal was our biggest donator to get our pilot off the ground. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. So super appreciate that. Uh, Matt has been a great supporter of us. And um, our next step is we've had to kind of take a, a step back a little bit because our pilot was a proof of concept. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really have a, a show in it. We need to figure out, is it an exploration show, a uh, challenge show, a reveal show? What kind of you know reality show is it? So our next step is really to get connected. So if anybody know has any connections to an agent or people at those networks to kind of help us define what the show looks like. Um, but part of what we're doing with the mini episodes too is exploring those different options mm-hmm. again and seeing what people like. So our next step is to storyboard a couple of different options and get that into what it's actually going to be and then continue to put that out there, which again, we need to travel. We need funds for, um, on the flip side, we're also launching some actual business services. We 
we are all about mentoring. Like I said, I didn't have mentors or if you could tell from my stories, no mentors. I'm just bouncing around here in my right. career. So I love helping young people get their start. So we currently have three interns who are working with us and they're amazing mm-hmm. and we would love to have more. So if you've got students in a film program or social media, send them our way. We've got work for them to do, but we're basically offering video packages for small business to help them with their TikToks and TikTok and reels mm-hmm. type things. So oh, they have, yeah, they can just geez. get stuff out there. Yep. Um, it's so hard to make the time to do that, but we have the time and the interns to do it. Young people. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, cause the other hard thing for me has always been like, I don't know what to post. Yeah, I don't either. I and I've just, got some wonderful girls that do all of the stuff yes. for the chocolate uh, women, not girls, but they uh, do it all. And I mean, they're in, in my eyes, they're, they're, they're brilliant. Cause I, yeah, I wouldn't know how to do that. I think what's really cool and I, I was, I say this to everybody, I, the timing of things, I was so lucky when I was starting to do the chocolate stuff and I had the opportunity to have a mentor and, and, um, Mackenzie Rivers, and I've mentioned her on this podcast. She has a um, chocolate company called, uh, map chocolate. And now she, now she does, she started a chocolate school called the next, the next batch. And I say to everybody without having her help and guidance there's no way that i would be making chocolate and it's not you know it's not my full time it's still just a, a passion thing but um i i wouldn't have that and and you don't you don't really ever see any sort of um apprenticeship or mentorship in, in almost any career path anymore and you know, we, we talk a lot about our, our house, which was built in the late 20s, and it's a relatively ornate house, and it's all stucco on the outside. And at one point in Syracuse, Syracuse was all immigrant and craftsmen and tradesmen, and a lot of these houses in the older neighborhoods are, you know, still built with the original, I mean, there's there there's, they've stood the test of time, but you can't find the people to do the work. Yeah. And I think now... We've got a new like talking about TikTok and and reels and Instagram stories, like we it's to to do it well and to make something of it. We we need more of those types of things. We need more apprenticeships. We need people to have the opportunity to really dig their fin- fingers in, and and those opportunities just don't open up. Um, I think sort of back to your point of what you said a little bit before about Tampa versus Syracuse, where being the only ice cream store or the only chocolate maker, when somebody else moves in down the street, there's instantly a sense of like stepping on my toes instead of let's, how can we work together? Yes. How can we do this? How can we do that? So I, I think that's, um, I think opening that up to students is such an amazing opportunity and yeah so i would definitely recommend and i'll gather all the information from you of all the places people can reach out watch all of that but i know uh, especially the youtube thing can be super powerful for you to get this stuff up up off the ground so you know anybody that's listening um definitely go to the youtube channel it's it's off the wall off the wall and up close off the wall and up close on youtube subscribe and when you watch the videos, give them a like because that can be a huge thing. And if anybody's listening from other cities, other small areas, I'm not trying to say this maybe what you want, but I I would encourage you to um, reach out to Laura. Um, 
you know, and say, Hey, I've got a city similar to Syracuse. Heck yeah. And and you know, that can that can start a discussion and and really keep things going. So um there's I do a, want to um if I can before we jump off the mentoring oh, yeah. thing, um yeah. and the apprenticeship, I do want to give a shout out to CNY film professionals because Elias um who runs that, he's he's been very good at trying to get something going there and create a a work space for people graduating from film in the area. So they stay here, you know, that's right. another problem. People going to college here and then leaving. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. It's huge. And, and I think a lot of, uh, a lot of cities like Syracuse see that, um, you know, where there's good, there's really strong universities, but to, to keep people around is, is tough. So, um, yeah, well, this is amazing. I'm so excited. Um, now the, the pilot is not out for public viewing. No, not okay. currently. Um, we don't think that it really represents what the show okay. is. So we don't okay. want people to watch it and be like, what is this? Okay. <laughs> you know? okay. So yeah, we highly encourage people to watch the mini episodes, which are a little bit more in line with what the actual show would be. Okay. Awesome. And I also know, and and again, not trying to step in your toes, but I also know other people that have in the past uh, tried to start similar things to this um, and, and moved on to other things. But uh, I think the more people that can kind of connect and create, um, you know, a rising tide, lifts all ships sort of situation can certainly be helpful. So, um, yeah, I mean, anybody that can reach out and be helpful, I'm sure that they would appreciate it. So, yeah. Well, thanks, Laura. It was really nice talking to you. I appreciate your time and I'm super excited. I can't wait to see what comes of this and, um, you know, uh, just, yeah, keep at it. It's really, really cool. Thanks. I really appreciate the chance to come and chat about this stuff and I hope that you will be showing me a little tour of your chocolate factory before I leave. Yeah, yeah. All right, thanks. Thanks for listening to this episode of Ohm Travelers. A huge thank you to Laura for joining me. Make sure to find her at laura.thorn.me on Instagram and at Hey Alec Productions. Make sure also to check out their YouTube channel. The name of the YouTube channel is Off the Wall and Up Close. Thank you to Soul Rising for allowing us the use of his song, The Journey, for our intro and outro. You can find him wherever you find music. Don't forget to visit our website, www.nostalgiachocolates.com, for the show notes and, of course, to grab as much chocolate as your shopping cart can handle. Thank you again.